Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke. And today we're here with Preston Creed of the band Jaegertown. Preston Creed is the frontman and lead songwriter for the country southern rock band Jaegertown. The son of musicians, Preston has been singing and creating songs since he was a child in a seemingly non-stop flow of musical creativity. Jaegertown shows are high-energy performances, or as Preston says, we play country music for people who want to party. So we're here with Preston Creed. Talk about Rearview. Hey, Doug. Yeah, man, Rearview. That was our uh, highest charting single so far. We've had three singles on the national charts, you know, country radio. And uh, for a band from Utah, that's that's a big deal, you know, putting some country on the map. The, the album is called Blacktop, but that was the, uh, the single from earlier in the year. It peaked out all the way at number 26. And it was produced by uh, Matt McClure and co-produced by a guy named Jeff King. Matt McClure is out of Nashville. He did the, the whole record. He did... Lee Bryce's stuff, uh, his, his bigger stuff, uh, initially three of his number ones. He did a number one with Dylan Scott and another number one for a guy out of Canada. So he's just got a great pedigree, works with all kinds of amazing people. And then Jeff King is uh, kind of the session leader and uh, you know kind of co-producer. And Jeff King is Reba's and Brooks and Dunn's guitar player and session player, you know, one of the best session players around in Nashville. So... So uh, it was a great, great experience. Um, we recorded the full album in two different blocks. And when we recorded Rearview, we worked at uh, Ocean Way, which is a super world famous studio in Nashville. Uh, it was, I mean, everywhere you go from the bathrooms to the kitchen, there's platinum records hanging everywhere from albums that we all listen to that have been recorded there. So it was an awesome experience. It was super humbling. There's three studios in that place. It's actually an old church that was converted years and decades ago to a studio and it's got an awesome energy you know from the song writing standpoint yeah i'm, I'm writing all the time and we it, it's kind of crazy people a lot of people don't know but you, you send tons of songs so i sent him probably 20 songs and you know on that first round we did four so you're trying to pick the very best from what you've written and record that and rearview was the first song that we recorded in nashville and it happened to be 
the song that we were all pretty well confident, you know, was going to have a real radio friendly vibe. And uh, it did. It did well. You know, anybody can relate to it. The video was cool. What the director did with it. He uh, used a girl as kind of the the star of the video. And then, you know, there's different shots that cut to us playing kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And it can go either way. You know, it's not a song that's saying guy or girl. It's basically somebody just moving on. And I had the idea for the song, you know, drive down the road. And when you kind of catch your own eyes in the rear view and everything that's behind you, it's a breakup song, but it's also super hopeful. You know, like the last line of, you know, turn the key, this engine roars, roll down the window and unlock all my doors. So it's, you're opening yourself up to the possibility of what the future brings as you put everything else behind you. So it's kind of the inspiration for the song. And there's some fun lyrics in there, you know, things like, uh, there's a line in the bridge about, you know, shaking the shadows of shame for a newfound truth. You know, just fun, little, super hopeful, uh, kind of forward thinking lyrics in the song. And, and a lot of people resonated with it. Had a lot of people, you know, say, oh, this is my song. You know, very close friends of the band and fans, people that were going through a difficult time, you know, when the song was released. And it was kind of just became a lot of people's little theme song for that moment in their life. So it did really well. And we were super proud of the way it came out. And, you know, today it's been our highest charting single. So, yeah. Was there anyone individual or was it a composite of people or even just your imagination that was in your rear view? Yeah, it's, you know, for a lot of times when you're a songwriter and, and I remember I've told this story a couple times, but I, I went to a songwriting conference with a guy named Steve Seskin, who in the 90s and early 2000s, he's got about seven number ones. He's, a, he's from San Francisco, but he's actually a country songwriter, Nashville guy. He's written for Toby Keith and Faith Hill and Tim McGraw and a bunch of people. And, you know, when I was sitting there with him and, and you know, he said, you know, when you're a songwriter, you're a fiction and a nonfiction writer. So if you if you never wrote about things that you didn't personally experience, you'd probably be disingenuous. And if you only wrote about things that you personally experienced, you'd probably be kind of one-dimensional. You know, so you have to kind of be a satellite dish for ideas and not every song that you write is gonna be something that you, I mean, we've all gone through breakups, but if you're a songwriter, sometimes you just have to be able to, you know, I imagine it's, it's a lot like acting. You put yourself in the moment or you put yourself in the shoes of somebody that's experiencing that, not necessarily saying that you're going through that right now, but you have to be able to kind of put yourself there and what would this person be going through? You know, sometimes some of the songs I write are stories that friends tell me, or, you know, I'm sitting, on a train or, or, you know, sitting at uh, breakfast when you're on the road and you hear somebody overhear somebody telling a story and you're like, wow, that's an idea. I mean, I'm constantly putting stuff in my phone of one-liners or ideas or stuff that people say. And then, you know, some stuff is yours. You know, some stuff is you, you put yourself in that moment. You know, I've had songs that I've recorded now that I had the idea, you know, of a feeling that I experienced when I was a teenager or something, you know, so... So that's kind of where it goes. It, this particular song wasn't anything that I was experiencing at that moment, other than, you know, driving down the road and looking at yourself in the rear view and thinking about everything that's behind you. And it was a beautiful day. And then I went home. I had the idea for a chorus. I, I write a lot while I'm driving and not, not actually write it, but I'll hit record on a voice memo, you know, and get an idea for a melody. And then I'll go home and grab my guitar, sit at the piano and kind of start functioning it out there so so that's what this song you know that's that's where this one came from so so how do you find or pick your producers for this song for this song so yeah so it was uh matt we met matt through um you know our, our fourth album we produced in utah and we had a song we had two songs that were on the charts uh from that we were working with a radio promotion company 
called uh, Grassroots out of Nashville. And Matt happens to be married to uh, a gal that works kind of hand in hand with them. And, you know, our first couple of singles that we released that made some noise did great. And we thought, hey, you know, there's something that happens in Nashville. There's definitely, I mean, they have the market kind of cornered when it comes to the, the country sound and and the, the people that they work with. So she introduced us to her husband through our management. And then it just kind of, you know, he listened to the stuff. He doesn't just work with anybody, you know, because he's got to put his name on it and everything too. But he really liked the sound. He liked, you know, the way things were going. And, you know, he was perceptive to the idea of working together. So we just scheduled it up and, you know, we started going back and forth with songs that we had ideas for and made it happen. So that's how it works. So there's a lot of instrumentation on this. So there must have been a lot of arrangements going on to talk about that. Absolutely. So Jaegertown consists of five people. So there's myself, I play acoustic guitar, sing. There's Liz, she plays violin, she sings. There's, uh, or fiddle, whatever you want to say. Uh, and then there's, uh, you know, we have lead guitar, uh, Sky plays lead, and Jesse plays bass and sings, and then Dimitri plays drums, we call him meter. So we're a five piece, but, you know, you can also hear other things happening in that song. You know, there's, there's some lap steel, you know, a little bit of other production stuff that happens post-production, you know, a few instruments that maybe we don't, play ourselves in the band so um you know when you go and you record you get the basic meat of the song you know uh, drums bass guitar vocals kind of stuff and then post-production wise when you leave you know then they bring in other musicians and kind of put the salt and pepper on the top and and a little bit of things that maybe you know would just kind of bring the song to life a little bit more so that's kind of how that goes and and Matt has a, a stable of, you know, some of the best players in Nashville. So you want the best lap steel guy, and you get him, and he, you know, puts a little flavor on there for you, some piano, so on and so forth. So that's that's kind of how that goes. There's a lot of, a lot of things that happen post-production when you leave, you know. I mean, literally, we will record for, you know, a week or two, and then we'll leave, and we won't even hear the songs for a month, two months, you know, a month. It, it, it takes a lot of time to go through the post-production process and then the mixing and mastering to hear the final product. So so you've been performing this live now for a while. Yeah. Do you find that it, the song has evolved live, or uh, what's um, happened in front of the audience? How it's been the you know, usually for us, too, like, we perform songs before we record them so they do kind of take on a life but then once it gets recorded i mean especially once it goes to radio if if you kind of have it down so i've definitely watched you know the song hasn't changed per se but i've watched you know as it grew in popularity and stuff you know there's nothing quite like when you're on stage and you're in a new town or you know even in your hometown and people are singing singing every word and that's just a testament to people listening you know i think if you memorize every lyric and you're singing well that means you've heard it a few times and you really like it so the song hasn't changed from when we recorded it it's definitely still the same song but just the response and then how it grew you know for the audience is awesome it's one of my favorites thanks man thank you Down 
Yeah, I feel like this is a red wine. So. It's definitely a red wine. So in fact, there's red wine in the video. So yeah, <laughs> in country music, I mean, it's one of those genres. I was talking with my dad the other day. It's, it's such a special, cool genre because you can you can definitely tell a story, and that's what they want. You know, the audience expects a story, and uh, you know, I, there, there's all kinds of songs in country about beer and whiskey, and I, and I love those songs. It's great, and I thought you know, it would be really cool to, and, and wine is such a, one of those drinks too. It's a, you know, the, the joke is always, it's the emotional group, our juice of the grape. So it's an emotional song and it's definitely one of those songs that has the idea that I think a lot of people can relate to, which is a couple that knows it's over, but when it gets late and they get lonely and maybe they've had a couple of glasses of wine, they end up making that phone call anyway, even though they know that something is, is actually not going to work out. And I was super excited that I, I actually get, got to write the screenplay for the video. So the video came out amazing. We worked with the same guy uh, who did the music video for a review. Only the difference with this video was we really wanted to have a storyline video. So we cast it, had a bunch of people audition, male lead and a female lead. And the male lead, I mean, he just, he just really killed it. They both did a great job. But the story comes through super well. And, and it's hard in a music video setting too, because, you know, the actors don't have dialogue. So they've got to sell it, you know, the story without really being able to, you know, hear what they're saying. And that, and they both did great. There's some cool shots. We actually shot it a few blocks from here. So at least our part, it was, uh, in Salt Lake City. Uh -huh. it was in the middle of winter. It was 5 a.m. And uh, it was freezing cold. And, and the song, it, it made sense because, I mean, the first lyric, you know, it was a cold December day when last I thought of you. So we wanted the breath to be showing in the video. We wanted to seem cold and it was very cold. So the video is really cool because it, it has flashbacks of when, you know, maybe this relationship was working. And now it kind of fast forwards to a time where these two aren't together anymore, but they keep coming back together. It's kind of one of those songs where... People are doing what they're doing, but they can they can just blame it on the blame it on the wine. You know, they're blaming it on the oh well, we spent the night together again. We keep ending up together, but it's not really our fault. It's because you know it's the wine. We can we can blame it on this. So it's a great song. The video really tells the story. We needed a ballad, and you know, from the ballads that we sent, we chose this one. I wrote that little guitar line that ended up being a fiddle line. Liz is so much better of a musician than I am, and so I wrote this really simple little haunting na -na 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 on guitar, and she took it on violin, and the producer was like, oh yeah, definitely a violin line. So, so it ended up being, you know, her line, and it's kind of one of those signature lines, you know, in music you call them hooks, you know, whether it's like a sweet child of mine thing or whatever, there's, there's hooks within hooks. So it's not only the lyric that you're singing, but it's that line that keeps repeating, na -na 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 -na. you know, it's very, gets in your brain, kind of a brain worm thing. I think it's one of those songs too, you know, it did have a lot of relatability 
And the fact that we had a male and a female lead in the video, you know, it was kind of like both perspectives. So you had the guy's perspective and the girl's perspective. It was, it was really fun in that way to kind of portray that story. So. I was wondering if it was a Nashville winter or a Utah winter for you, but I think you've answered that yeah. question. I was also wondering that your December is that time of New Year's resolution, and mm -hmm. it feels like this is like an anticipation of a failed resolution to come. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's, 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 uh, it's one of those things where you, maybe you keep doing what you told yourself you wouldn't do, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of people could relate to that. A lot of people did relate to it and, you know, just the subject matter. Yeah, it was definitely what you said. It's a, it's a failed resolution, but you know, they're, they're making some sort of peace with it and they're not taking as much responsibility. They're, they're kind of just in that place. So, yeah. They said you need more time, had to have your space. Well, I can give you that and then some, or I can just walk away. You made it extra clear, you were moving on. Don't pick up the phone to call me when your world gets dark and cold. The truth is, babe, I may be home Tangled up and twisted But I'm not alone No, I won't be cold No, not tonight I won't miss the way you kiss me The day you say goodbye Her love is like a fire When yours is cold as rain I'm burning all your memories away With an old flame That's kind of fun. Old Flame. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, that, that came in the uh, second block of the songs that we recorded. So we did seven songs on the, on the Blacktop album. And that one, you know, we were getting ready to go back to Nashville earlier this year. We knew we were going to do, th you know, three or four more songs. And once again, I'd sent another 15, 20 songs. You know, we were kind of rifling through what's it going to be. Um, we had definitely decided on one. And I, I'd sent over a bunch of stuff. We thought we had them picked. So this is a kind of a funny, wild story of how all it works sometimes. But we basically had them down to, okay, we're going to do these three, three songs or four songs, whatever. And two days before we got on the plane, I was listening back through the work, they call them work tapes. So the work tapes that I had sent, basically it's just me and a guitar, maybe with a metronome, like a click. So I'm playing in time and, you know, just some scratch vocals. And then I send the lyrics over and we kind of decide on a tempo and stuff. So I was listening back through the four songs that we had sent and I just thought to myself, man, you know, we, Jaegertown always walks that line between, you know, the, I mean, it says it on the side of the bus, rock and country, you know, and we just didn't have a song in, in the group that we were going to release with this album that I felt like really felt like Jaegertown, something that kind of kicked it in the teeth and was high energy. I mean, that's how our, our shows are. I mean, we all come from different backgrounds, but we definitely try to put on a very energetic show. I mean, from Liz doing, you know, back bends while she's in splits, so she's practically while she's playing violin to, you know, Scott jumping around on the stage, me and Jesse jumping around, meters back there, his hair's flying. And we were just in Colorado last week and, and playing at a, a large venue and he had a rock star fan in front of his drums and his hair was just, it looked like an eighties video. It was awesome. I mean, just blowing while he's, while he's smashing drums. So, so we needed something that rocked and, I had this idea and at the time it was just a chorus for this song called Old Flame and it was 
the idea basically was, you know, a breakup, but then, you know, somebody who's not going to be alone for very long because they have a, you know, somebody that they can call. You're going back to a relationship, an old relationship. You're fanning that old flame. And it's kind of a, you know, finger in your eye song to a recent breakup. And basically, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, I see it all the time on social media when people have a, a breakup, you know, you don't want to post yourself alone in your basement, uh, sad that you're, <laughs> you know, the breakups happen. You want your ex to think that you're, you know, living a better life and you've moved on. So that's kind of the song and people have related to it. It's fun. It's super upbeat. It goes over great live. There's some fun lyrics within it, but I had the idea for the song. And two days before we got on the plane to go back to Nashville, I got a hold of Matt, our management, didn't I? I said, look, I've got this other idea. I think we need to scratch one of these other songs and we need to do this old flame song. I had a really fun little, that really cool little hooky lick that was just super upbeat and kind of in your face. And I sent it to him and instantly he got back and was like, oh, we need to do that song. Like no hesitation. He just was like, yep, that's you guys. That's hundred percent Yeagertown and you need this song for this record. So, so we recorded it and, uh, you know, I, it's one of my most favorite songs to play. It's, it's in a drop D kind of a tuning. So it's got that real fat rocking sound to it. And it's just the lyrical content, you know, it's kind of on the nose and in your face a little bit. So where do you put it in the Yeagertown set list when you play it these days? Yeah, it goes, you know, it's funny. It goes like right in the middle somewhere. So like when you're, as you build your set list and your shows, it, it's, it should be kind of like a emotional roller coaster a little bit, you know, you go up, you go down, you've got ballads, you've got mid tempos, and then it kind of goes right toward the middle. And, you know, it's where we're bringing the energy back up and kind of going to end on a big note. So yeah, it usually goes right around there. So just before break, <laughs> I, I hate taking breaks, honestly. I mean, we play so many different kind of shows, whether we, you know, it's country fan fest where we're opening up for, you know, Luke Combs or something and you're playing an hour and it's just an hour straight or, you know, we're traveling and we're, you know, playing some honky tonk somewhere and you have to play for, you know, a couple, two, three hours. My favorite set is two hours. So if it's a two hour set, I think that's perfect enough time to not need a break and also not give the audience a chance to get bored, you know, just pedal to the floor. We, me and my drummer always laugh. We say all killer, no filler, you know, just straight ahead. And yeah, so it goes in the middle somewhere in there. So old flame, is this uh, purely your imagination or was there anyone in mind? Yeah, no, I think this one came from a little bit more personal space. Yeah. Like reality, you know, like, like I've definitely had breakups before and, you know, you look back and you want to be uh, the better version of yourself so you can kind of show somebody what they're missing. So yeah, this one was a little more personal, I would say, <laughs> even though it was an idea of old, it was more of a not imagined. It was, it was my own story for sure. Never 
Falling on the blacktop. Yes. Yeah, the new single. We're excited about that. I, I think, I mean, we've been a band for going on 14 years and we have five albums, a couple singles that were released. And it's probably one of my favorite songs I've had a chance to write. You know, it was one of the last batch that we sent for the second round of recording. And it was the song, you know, like Rearview was, it was like, we're definitely doing this song. So it came from a couple summers ago now. We were on the road touring, got home late, got in off the bus in my Jeep. It was about 3 a.m. I'm driving home back to where I live and uh, no one was on the road. And there was rain all over the place. And there was this lightning that was striking all over the place, but it wasn't touching the ground. So that's, there's a line in there, you know, lightning that strikes, but never touches the ground. And it's like, I was like, oh, what a fun metaphor for a relationship, you know, and especially one that's, you know, kind of maybe over, you know, this song is kind of comes from a place of like, you know, the, the whoever is tortured, they're a little tormented by the thought of what used to be. And uh, as, as they're driving around, you know, they're, they're seeing all these things, you know, you know, rains on the blacktop and and uh you know it's just kind of reminding them of that so the song came together great i mean matt was super on board with it you know lyrically and story-wise I, I just think it's there there's a lot of you know country music is all about small town references and i grew up in a tiny town of about three thousand people in high school and you know looking back on you know those kind of times and relationships and when you're all alone. Like I said, I write in the car a lot. So it was super exciting to hear how it came together. I mean, there's a lot of different instrumentation on there. You can hear the organ at the end. You know, the violin is, is strong in there. The guitar licks, the different kind of stuff that we layered in and stuff that Jeff came and brought to the table with the song that gave it the feel that it had and the extra vocal work and stuff too. It's almost like a round in the end. Jesse and Liz keep singing and I'm kind of ad-libbing over the top of it. So I love the song. Um, I'm excited for what it's going to do in radio. It definitely is, you know, it's kind of a mid-tempo, but it uh, it feels totally like a Jaegertown song. And I think anybody that liked Rearview and, and the other stuff that we did before, the radio promotion company is really confident that it's, you know, has the potential to maybe be our highest single yet. So I love the cymbal crashes. Thanks. And yeah. it, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is going to be a powerful drum Absolutely. song yeah. for the crowd to get mm-hmm. into. Yeah. And it's like on that breakdown in the bridge, you know, and it, the, the kick drum just keeps going. It's like a heartbeat, you know? And so when we play it live, you can definitely see like the, the vibe, the dancing, you know, it doesn't go away. It doesn't have a, like a total breakdown that needs to come back. This is one of those songs we were talking about earlier. You know, how does it change live versus everything else? And this song, we were playing this song for a long time. In fact, the first time we ever played it was not this year, but last year's Country Fan Fest out in, uh, in Tooele. And we were playing the campground stage. We always close the show. They're our sponsor. And there was probably about eight or 9,000 people. The wind was blowing. There's a really fun video of it live on YouTube that you can find. And it's cool to watch that because that was before the song was ever recorded. And you can kind of hear the progression of what it was when I wrote it. And that was the very first time that we'd ever even played it live versus what it became in the studio. So it was fun to watch that whole process. And from the very beginning, um, the crowd definitely, you know, identified with it. And it's 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 been good. So I think the storms in Utah are the most 
dramatic in the world sometimes. Oh, yeah. And the lightning we have here mm -hmm. is dramatic, but this was lightning in, in Tennessee. Well, this was, yeah. So this was a, actually, it wasn't where I wrote it. I wrote it here. Okay. So we were on the road and we'd just come off of like a week or two tour, like run. And it just happened to be when we rolled in town on the bus, there was this crazy summer storm. And so it was super early in the morning. Nobody was out. And I was driving back in this storm and just had this idea of a song. And, and just, I, I love when songwriters use nature or, or things that, you know, you know, when you use those metaphors like this or like that, we were the lightning that strikes, but never touches the ground. Two big city hearts in a one light town. You know, I mean, it's, there's just a lot of like reference to things that paint the picture for, you know, the emotion of the song. So. We have a lot of one mic towns. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And big, big city hearts, people that probably want to, you know, they have dreams of going to do something else, you know? And we have a big sky where the lightning oh, doesn't yeah. touch the ground a lot. <laughs> Unbelievable sunsets. And, and I, again, I find a lot of motivation when I'm driving around and have ideas and, and, you know, you're inspired by nature or whatever you're seeing. And, and if you can paint that into a song, it's, it makes it all that much more relatable.